most valuable commodity I know of is information. Wouldn't you agree? I got five dollars. This is a run to the left. How many tackles can one man break? You're saying that humans need fantasy to make life bearable. Humans need fantasy to be human. My goodness, that was good. You guys are pros. The best. Relentless, refusing to give up. All right, hit that horn, babe. Let's dance. What is up, everybody? Welcome to the Fantasy Flex Night Shift Podcast for NFL Week 1 2023. I am your host, Chris Raybon of the Action Network. And on this episode, we're going to break down the Sunday Night Football and Monday Night Football DFS slates. We'll also talk some luck rankings at the end. And of course, we got Sean Kern, one of the top analyst projectors rankers in a game and also the creator of the luck rankings along with nick giffen so sean what's going on what's up i am stoked for thursday night football tonight uh lions chiefs but i mean the two matchups we're talking about you know sunday night football monday night football just as great so uh excited we're finally talking regular season football yeah i don't know i remember the last time the giants and jets were on sunday and monday night football oh so pretty pretty good yeah. Good uh, good NFL start to the season for New York. Hell yeah. Um, so let's jump right into it uh, with the Sunday night football matchup. We got the Cowboys at the Giants. The total is 46 and a half. The Cowboys are favored by three, three and a half, depending where you look. Uh, who do you like for your captain spot? I got to go with uh, Darren Waller here um, because, you know, I had a hunch Waller was going to be Daniel Jones' top target this year. I, I think everybody did, but it became even more evident uh, in their limited preseason action together. Uh, Waller saw a target on Daniel Jones' first three pass attempts. So if that's a sign of things to come, I mean, he could have a monster season. Uh, there's no doubt that Waller will be a top five, maybe even a top three tight end. I think he's your tight end three this year. Uh, when healthy so I want to invest in him as much as possible when he's healthy so uh, there's no better time than week one um, especially against the Cowboys I mean it is a tougher matchup but in the captain slot I think Darren Waller makes a ton of sense yeah I mean the Cowboys did really well against tight ends but a lot of that was because they only allowed one touchdown and touchdowns Mm. are notoriously the most uh, volatile stat so I, I do think you know, you're going to see some regression. I don't think the Cowboys are going to go another season around just one <laughs> touchdown. But, yeah, I really like the way the Giants have lined up Darren Waller all over the field. They're essentially using him like a wide receiver. Might see some snaps in the backfield for Waller as well in this game. And, you know, there's no real film on him. So that should be uh, yep. another advantage that that's working in his favor. Uh, I like CeeDee Lamb. I think that he has the best matchup here. Even if he has to go against a Dory Jackson who may end up being the Giants' starting slot corner because rookies uh, Deontay Banks and Andre Hawkins have played well and, and may start outside. But uh, Lamb was targeted in Jackson's coverage seven times in that first matchup with Cooper Rush, no less, and he caught six of seven for 57 yards and a touchdown. Uh, and 
overall, in the two games against the Giants, the first game, eight for 87 with a touchdown, and then the second game, six catches for 106 yards, and that was with Dak Prescott. He also had two rushing attempts uh, against the Giants last year. So uh, I think CeeDee Lamb, high upside guy here, uh, and I think he is going to have a monster year, and it's going to start off uh, here in week one. And he's also the best Dallas receiver against man coverage, which is always big when you're facing the Giants Mm. because Wink Martindale, the defensive coordinator, loves to blitz, loves to play man coverage behind it. Uh, Even when he's not blitzing, they they play a a good amount of man coverage. So one of the man heaviest, if not the man heaviest defense in the league are the Giants and CeeDee Lamb, 2.9 yards per route against man coverage Mm. and uh, more than twice as many yards against man as any other Cowboy receiver last year uh, according to pro football focus so uh, great matchup for lamb yeah for sure yeah can't go wrong with lamb here and tony pollard is gonna probably have to stay in and block a bit more which could lead to a couple more targets for cd lamb so yeah i think i think definitely going with like a pass catcher in this game specifically is probably the way to go i mean saquon barkley is probably another good option for the captain slot too right yeah, I'm gonna. I, I'm actually gonna talk about him next. Oh, because, okay. sorry. Yeah, there's, I think it's a, a a big kind of studs and scrubs. Oh yeah, uh, roster construction. At, at least at least how I'm seeing it. But uh, who do you like for value? Uh, so I, I'm gonna go with Jake Ferguson here. You know, I know we're both high on him at least entering the season because he should be the Cowboys' starting tight end. Um, so he should be taking over most of the snaps, targets that Dalton Schultz is leaving behind. Um, so, you know, Ferguson just has massive upside in this role. Uh, and he thrived against man coverage last year as well, along with CeeDee Lamb. Um, you know, Ferguson averaged 2.32 yards per route run against man, just 1.52 yards per route run against zone. So um, just considering the Giants use man coverage at the highest rate could be a good matchup for Ferguson as well. And yeah, like he's going to start the year hot. We'll see if he can maintain the starting job. I think, you know, rookie Luke Schoonmaker, could eat into his snaps later in the season, but at least out of the gate. Like, I, I want to invest in Jake Ferguson, so this is the perfect spot to do that. Yeah, if I had to make a prediction, I I would guess Ferguson does hold on to the role. I thought he mm-hmm. looked really good, uh, you know, in the preseason. I, I liked him even last season, and uh, I just think, you know, with Scootmaker missing so much time, it's just going to be hard for yeah. him to ever catch up. And this, is, this Dallas team, they have Super Bowl aspirations. So uh, it's not like you're just going to, all of a sudden start a, a rookie tight end who was a little bit behind. I think, you know, he'll play, but more so in that Hendershot uh, yeah. role that, that, uh, you know, Ferguson Hendershot role that, that, that was there behind Schultz last season. Uh, but yeah, I, you know, I, I don't really like a lot of guys in, in the mid range. Uh, I got a couple, uh, but I got, you know, Saquon Barkley is another guy I just got to talk about because when I look at this giant team, this Dallas defense is very, very good all over the field. They added Stefan Gilmore. So the outside corners, uh, are strong along with Trayvon Diggs. And we don't really know who's going to play for the Giants outside. You know, it's probably going to be a rotation uh, with Hodgins and Slayton and uh, maybe some Sterling Shepard, some Jalen Hyatt in there. So I think Barkley's going to get a ton of usage. Dallas, uh, among the five highest scoring running, ba- uh, running backs against the Cowboys last season, Barkley uh, was in the top five twice. He had two of those games. Uh, he was a workhorse for this giant team. And I think they're going to have to throw the ball to him because mm-hmm. Dallas is, you know, pretty strong all over in coverage. And, and I think they're going to hand it to him a ton as well. So I'm expecting a big game here from Saquon Barkley, at least volume wise 
so uh, like him. And then on the Cowboys side, uh, Brandon Cooks kind of stands out because when you think about, okay, Wink Martindale is going to send the blitz. Like you mentioned, they'll probably have to keep a running back, maybe the tight end in a little bit more. But they also talked about in the offseason, Michael Gallup running fewer downfield routes and more you know, mm-hmm. higher percentage routes. But if I'm talking about uh, a DFS tournament, I want the downfield routes. And I think that's going to be Brandon Cooks. And I think he's going to get some single coverage. And another guy, there's just no film on him with the mm-hmm. Dallas Cowboys offense. So I think that works in the favor of Cooks and Dak Prescott. And again, I, I think there's a very good possibility that the Giants are lining up rookie cornerbacks at both perimeter spots in this game. So, you know, Gallup, I mean, he could he could go off too, but I think Cooks is a little bit more explosive and is going to run more routes down the football field. So I, I could see him going for like, you know, four for, for 130 and a touch yeah. or something like that. So uh, love the upside of Brandon Cooks. All right, who do you got for dart throw? Do you like darts, Ted? Oh, okay. I'm more of a, you know, a cornhole man myself. Yeah. So for my dart throw, uh, I got to go with Jalen Hyatt here. Um, just because, you know, this is a crowded wide receiver room for the Giants. And he's one of many rookies that that's probably going to be buried on the depth chart, at least initially to begin the season, but he, he does profile as the team's best downfield threat. So he should see a handful of, you know, potential explosive routes, targets in this game specifically. So uh, could definitely see him getting loose for a deep ball, maybe a touchdown here. Um, so while I, I don't think his routes run rate will be, you know, high enough to project them for more than like three receptions, he could get, you know, explosive play here in a showdown slate. That's what we're going for. Um, I also think he might be overlooked, at least entering the season. Uh, you know, there is some hype around him, but I think this is the perfect time uh, to invest in Hyatt uh, while, while he might be overlooked. Yeah, I I, I think you could say that about almost any giant receiver here, right? <laughs> True. I know they're probably going to play five, if not six, wide receivers in week one, and, and yeah. Hyatt certainly is the most explosive and the most intriguing uh, I got a couple of other dart throws on the Giants. I think they'll probably be a little bit uh, less popular in terms mm. of, of roster ship percentage. And that uh, is Paris Campbell and Wandale Robinson, uh, if Robinson suits up, that is. But either way, I want the Giants slot receiver is what I'm trying to say. because And, and Hyatt can play the slot. He played the slot mostly in college. But for some reason in the preseason, he almost exclusively played on the outside. So that leads me to believe – uh, they may use him on the outside. Uh, yeah. So Richie James had five catches uh, for 56, uh, excuse me, five catches for 41 and a touchdown in the week 12 matchup against the Cowboys last year. And I think that's what the Giants are going to have to do to move the ball on offense because you're going to ha- face a ferocious pass rush. So you're going to have to get the ball out pretty quickly here uh, we know Daniel Jones is gonna can, can move around and maybe buy some time for a couple of deep shots but overall I think he's gonna have to rely on, on dumping it off to Barkley uh, you mentioned Waller and, and I think the slot receiver and so uh, Campbell ran two-thirds of his preseason routes from the slot and I, I think he right now looks like the favorite to start in the slot even if Robinson is active but if Robinson is active that's that's still intriguing because that means they 
you know, they feel like he's ready to go. But I think Campbell is the guy I'm most interested in. You go against uh, Deron Bland, who uh, had a very good season last year, but he's still not as good as Trayvon Diggs or Stephon Gilmore in coverage. So I think that's the spot. And maybe you also get some line, uh, matchups against linebackers when, when the Cowboys are in zone as well. So I think targeting the, the Giants – uh, you know, underneath guys makes more sense. I just don't know how much time Daniel Jones is going to have to stand in there right. uh, and, and deliver the ball down the field. Uh, Micah Parsons is going to be just screaming at him. So uh, that's who uh, I'm going with for my dark throw. Yeah, it looks like uh, Wandale's still pretty limited in, in yeah. practice. Do you he, think he's practicing? But yeah, like he he just missed so much of you know camp and everything, and they still have Sterling Shepard. Do you think he's he's worth a dart throw as well, or? Yep, I think. I mean, I think just anybody that's so it depends on how like who's active. If Andre yeah. Robinson's inactive, I think that makes it more likely that Shepard or Hyatt, but uh, one of those two guys will play mm-hmm. some slot snaps. Uh, if Wando Robinson is active, then I think Hyatt and Shepard play mostly on the outside, and it's kind of a four man rotation with. Slayton and Hodgins on the perimeter and Campbell and, and Wandale would play in the slot. So Wandale yeah. is kind of the linchpin here. Like if he's inactive, I think that <laughs> that's when yeah. you really want to start targeting Shepard. But either way, Campbell probably starts in the slot. So that's, that's why he's, he's mm-hmm. my most confident uh, play uh, among these giants receivers in, in this matchup. But yeah, it's, for it's sure. Tough. Just really it, like, th- this is definitely one of the, uh, <laughs> Wide receiver rooms that we're probably both going to be updating our projections constantly up until kickoff. So just be sure uh, to to check our updated projections come Sunday night to see to see where we stand on these guys because yeah there could be some movement uh, you know later this week. Yeah, and you know, another guy I'll, I'll mention real quick before we move on to the Monday night game is Matt Breida. You know we kind of talk mm. about sometimes in these tournaments if. Uh, you have like the backup running back and the starter gets banged up or something. Mm, you'll be yeah. in a good spot. And I think Barkley is going to get a heavy workload, but that also leaves the possibility of you know, potentially getting banged up or, or needing some breathers. And, and Brita is kind of that clear number two back, at least to start the season for the Giants. So, uh, you know, I do think that we could see him uh, factor in here. Yeah. Again, I just I just don't know how much time Jones is going to have to go downfield. So Yeah, that's that's a good call. And Deuce Vaughn as well on the other side. Like, he, yeah. he can make some noise. Even if Tony Pollard is healthy all game, all season, Deuce Vaughn is explosive. I mean, he's a tiny back. Um, so he might have more value in games where Tony Pollard's healthy and, you know, his roster ship might be a bit lower. So Deuce Vaughn's another great, like, backup running back in this game if you want to go that, that route. And I believe the Giants gave up a – uh, return touchdown in the preseason. So Cavante Turpin stacked with the Cowboys mm. defense. That's also nice. uh, an option that I think yeah. has a better chance to hit this week than uh, the most. So uh, that's another one to look at. Uh, let's go to Monday night. We have the Buffalo Bills making the trip down state, well, really out of state because it's New Jersey, to uh, play the Jets at MetLife. The Bills are two-and-a-half-point favorites, a total 46, 46-and-a-half, depending on where you look. Who do you like in the captain spot in this one? Got to go with Garrett Wilson here just because, you know, he's already primed for a year two leap, but – you know, going from Zach Wilson to Aaron Rodgers is only going to amplify that leap 
even more. Um, you know, Garrett Wilson saw the fourth highest inaccurate pass rate last season. Um, something Aaron Rodgers will surely help with. Um, so his catch rate should go up. Uh, you know, his target rate might go up too because uh, from what I've seen, um, you know, it looks like Aaron Rodgers and Garrett Wilson already have great chemistry. You know, they look great in their limited preseason action together. Rodgers is known to lock on to his top target. So we could see Wilson have a Devontae Adams-like season uh, here. So uh, want to invest in them early uh, and especially in this matchup uh, against the Bills, which, you know, could, could be a tougher matchup. But I think uh, he and Aaron Rodgers are ready to rock from day one. Yeah, they were good in, in the in the brief preseason time. Definitely, I mean, Wilson was just catching everything, and Rodgers was pretty much looking at only him. So, yeah, uh, it is it is intriguing uh, heading into Week One. Even though I do think, in general, this this Jets offense, you know, Rodgers didn't do a ton in the preseason, and uh, you know, the running backs have been kind of out of the loop. So, it could be a little bit of a slower start mm-hmm. uh, for this Jets offense. But that just is more reason to use Wilson as a absolute target hog. Uh, for my captain, you know, this is again, this is a game where I'm not super confident in uh, a ton of players on either offense. So <laughs> it, I kind of default to Josh Allen here because you're going to have Stefan Diggs dealing with Sauce Gardner and uh, DJ Reed Jr. at corner. Gabe Davis really didn't do anything against the Jets in the two matchups last year. Uh, you know, Diggs had one game where he had 93 yards but did not score a touchdown. But generally, the, the Jets are going to be able to shut down wide receivers. And that leads me to Josh Allen's probably going to have to run with the football. So, uh, you know, he's going to get, you know, he's going to get enough passing yards to be viable. But uh, I do think this could be one of Josh Allen's bigger run games because they're going to need it. So uh, I'm looking at a potential, you know, multi-touchdown mm-hmm. rushing game for Josh Allen. And it's just in, a, in what I expect to be a defensive game. I think the totals are a bit yeah. high. Like 46 yeah. probably shouldn't be that high. Uh, so, you know, I know a lot of people, when you play DFS, you kind of look at those Vegas odds and you're like, okay, well, that's that's what the total is. That's how I'm projecting it. But I, I like to kind of have my own take on what the lines it should be and not just follow mm-hmm. uh, the market. And so uh, I, I'm a little more uh, keen on maybe mixing in some Bills defense, some Jets defense than I would – in most weeks, because I do think this could be a little bit more of a lower scoring game where uh, if if one of those defenses scores a touchdown or something like that, you're going to need him. So uh, Josh Allen for me uh, in the captain spot. Yeah, I agree that the total is probably a bit high. Um, you know, the Bills defense, I think they have like the second worst or worst injury luck last year. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I know Von Miller is going to be on the pup list to begin the season, but their, their defense should be a lot better when healthy. So yeah, I, I also think this is going to be a lower scoring game. Honestly, the Cowboys Giants too, that, that total might be a bit high. So I think both these games might be lower scoring than people think. Yeah, absolutely. Um, The Cowboys Giants are just more uncertainty though, because you know, no one's really seen this new offense with Waller (laughs) and and Hyatt and no one's seen, you know, Cooks. And it's just like uh, a little bit, I think there's a little more upside in that one where this one, we've seen these two teams, the Jets and I mean, I know Mm. it was Zach Wilson, but like we've seen the Jets hold the bills down and I got to see with the bills healthy, I think they have a good shot of, you know, limiting the Jets as well. So, yeah, uh, who do you like for value with all that being said? Uh, yeah, so that's why I'm going with James Cook. Um, the, the main reason is he, he's looking like he could be more of a workhorse back this year than I thought. Um, I'm sure we'll, we'll see Damian Harris vulture some goal line scores here and there. Um, but other than that, like, he should see most of the work between the 20s. 
pretty much all the receiving work. Uh, so I think this could be a good spot to take him because, you know, this Jet secondary is lethal. Like, there, there's not an easy matchup there. So we could see um, Josh Allen use his legs more or dump it down to James Cook a little bit more than, than usual. Uh, plus, you know, James Cook will be uh, facing his older brother on the other side here. So even more reason for him to ball out. Uh, but I, I just love investing in James Cook early on because uh, just based on his preseason usage, I, I think they do trust him to be more of a lead back. And whenever we've seen that in the Bills offense, you know, if you remember Devin Singletary at the end of, I think it was the 2021 season um, when he saw more of a, you know, three down roll. I mean, he was a legit RB2 option. So we could see that same upside with James Cook here, especially in a tougher matchup uh, with the secondary. I think this is a good time to, to t- take James Cook in a showdown slate. Yeah, I, I like Cook as well. I mean, that's really the guy I'd be targeting. Uh, it's really tough to get behind guys like, uh, Gabe Davis in this spot. I think the you know, the the running back duo on the other side for the Jets does have some intrigue because mm-hmm. you had the Jets rush uh, running backs. That is in the first matchup, the Jet running backs combined for thirty touches, one hundred fifty six yards, and a touchdown. And then in the second matchup, Jet running backs combined for twenty seven touches, ninety seven yards, and a touchdown. Now they're probably going to snap fairly evenly, which is somewhat of a killer. But if, if the jets, uh, you know, get that kind of production again, which they might, because again, uh, this bill's defense should be a lot better. You know, you have Hyde and Poirier coming back, which means tight ends probably are off the table for this week. Uh, and outside of Garrett Wilson, I think, I don't really know where Aaron Rodgers is going to feel comfortable going. You know, maybe, maybe some Alan Lazard, if Mm -hmm. the Bills use Tredavious White in shadow coverage, but the Bills don't tend to, I don't know if they're going to do that a ton just because they're a very zone heavy team. So that kind of limits your ability to, to, to do that. They they could do it. So Mm -hmm. Lazard is a guy I'm I'm paying a little bit of attention. I'll have some exposure to, but I do think at least one of those jet running backs has a productive day. I just, I wish I could tell you which one. That's that's really the issue. I, I lean Dalvin getting a little bit more work, you know, going against his, his brother and just not being the guy coming off a, a, a serious injury. I'd lean Dalvin, but um, it, it's, it's a toss-up. Yeah, I, I could fully get behind a Cook brother stack here. Um, I don't know where you're projecting their touches right now, but I, I haven't budged. I, I still have them both getting... 10 to 12 each. Um, but if anything, they, they have to give Dalvin more work week one, right? I, I think they're more worried about protecting Brees Hall, um, mm-hmm. which is why they brought in Dalvin. So I, I think out of the two, I, I would still lean Dalvin week one. And then after that, who knows? But um, as of now, I'm projecting the same until we hear otherwise, but not sure if you've heard anything one way or the other yet. I, the only thing I heard was that they were both on the same plan, you know, Brees because yeah. he's coming back from injury and Dalvin because he just hasn't really run behind this line. He hasn't really practiced much with the team. And, you know, I think he, uh, I believe he had a kid uh, or there was some personal reason why he, even once he signed, mm. he missed some time. So it really is a toss. I mean, we could see a third back, whether it's uh, Michael Carter or is a, Israel Abanaconda, is he healthy? I, I think. Uh, no, I he's, think he was, he's still dealing with that fight yeah, injury. Yeah, and they, so I mean, Carter. he's, yeah, he's a rookie too. So I think yeah, Michael Carter might actually end up seeing handful of touches if, if they really do want to limit both Hall and Cook here. Yeah, so he's somebody to keep in mind, I guess, for for dart throws. But uh, yeah, it's just just it's, it's this is a tougher one, a tougher slate. 
yeah. who do you like uh, as a dart thrower? Y'all take your darts over here pretty seriously, huh? Uh, I like Deontay Hardy. Um, just be- yeah, exactly. I mean, he called it months ago, right? Uh, but he's he's expected to be the starting slot receiver, which is a role that might not be as valuable um, in the Bills' offense this year, just because we're expecting to see you know rookie Dalton Kincaid uh, operate in the slot at a higher rate. Um, but you know, we could see Hardy see a routes run rate in the 40 to 50% range, which would definitely be enough to make a difference on a showdown slate, especially, you know, in the bills offense. And, you know, he's going to probably avoid sauce Gardner in this slot. And, you know, while Michael Carter is a good slot corner, it still might be the best matchup, um, for the bills pass catchers. So, um, you know, I, I think Kincaid will probably dominate the slot snaps here, but if we have four wide sets, uh, we could see Hardy get, like I said, like 40 to 50% routes run rate. Um, so I, I think he's he's a good play here for week one. Yeah, I'm, I was actually somewhat surprised. I mean, I, I thought Hardy the whole time was going to beat out Khalil Shakir, but I heard uh, Trent Shortfield was having a pretty good camp. So I thought they might end up going with him uh, as a starter I think he, in the slot. He, but it looks like Hardy is listed above, above him. Yeah, I think so. Hardy's the slot guy right now. I think Shortfield's like when Gabe Davis or Diggs need a break, like he's their direct mm-hmm. backup. So if one of those guys were to go down, he could end up taking most of their snaps. But yeah, I saw that he, he had a really good camp, uh, but he, he's probably just more the direct backup of the boundary receivers. Whereas Hardy looks like he's probably going to dominate the slot snaps out of the gate. I'm sure Shakir will still mix in, um, but it, it'll probably be the Kim Cade show if I'm being honest, but at least initially, I, I think Hardy's going to be the main slot actual wide receiver yeah no that's that's a good call and that's that's kind of what i uh expected and it's really I, mm-hmm. I don't i think the guy the odd man out probably khalil shakir now do they mix in maybe a couple of five wide sets sure they're, they're the bills but so you know everyone i think everyone has to be in play because it's, it's just such a tough slate to project that you know if turfield catches like one ball for 15 yards and a touchdown that might be enough for that last slot in your roster to, to get you over the hump so um, this is I, I would kind of mix up exposure. You know, mo- it's a good one for multiple lineups here. Uh, but I, I think the dart throws for me are the two Bills tight ends, uh, Kincaid and, and Dawson Knox, because again, you have those great Jets cornerbacks. The Jets gave up the tenth most uh, PPR points to tight ends. However, uh, a season ago, they were one of just six teams to give up uh, over a thousand receiving yards to tight ends. Uh, one season ago and uh, Knox had a a pretty solid game in one of the matchups uh, the second matchup uh, against the Jets he went uh, four for 41 in a touchdown on seven targets and uh, Kincaid I think uh, will have will be relied on in this game as well because you have to go somewhere with the football and uh, it's probably not going to be as as much to those outside receivers as you would normally see for the Bills so mm-hmm. yeah I like kind of you know, getting Josh Allen and stacking him, Josh, Josh Allen in the cap this spot, you don't really have to stack him, but, yeah. um, you know, you can, you can pay up for him and then just use his cheaper guys like Kincaid and, and Dawson Knox and Hardy, uh, as you mentioned, uh, and even, you know, Cook, you can still stack him with him. Uh, and uh, that might be the way to go because Diggs and Davis probably would have been a little bit overvalued. Uh, and yeah, so like uh, Kincaid, Knox, stack, I think that would be very yep, sharp. Yeah, because yeah, – Kincaid could get five catches for 50 yards, no touchdown, let's say, and Knox gets, you know, two catches for 20 yards and a touchdown, and they could both be in the winning lineup. I don't I don't think that's a route many people are going to take, so that could be a really cool, like, contrarian stack. And 
if you were to set like 150 lineups, how many of those would have Reggie Gilliam in it? <laughs> um, out of 150, I would probably have to go maybe anywhere from f- like five to eight. Like <laughs> you right. got to have some either way. Yeah. You got to have some Gilliam exposure here, right? Yeah, I, 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 like five. No, not not probably not. Anything more than ten percent, but really right. more like you know five to seven percent. I think. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, he will probably get a couple snaps here, but um, with with Kincaid here now, you know, Gilliam his yeah, role true. may change a little bit. Uh, and they also have Quentin Morris on the roster. I don't. I don't know if he'll be active uh, in the, in this matchup, but I, I I would think he might be. So yeah, it's it's not not a great spot for Gilliam but like I said it's this is it's a toss-up here there's not really a lot of guys we can confidently say you should roster this guy um and I know people don't want to hear that but it's just the truth you yeah know? you got to keep it real here we know we know when we have good projections and we know when there's a wider range of outcomes I think that's part of being uh, a good projector so um in this one it, I, I think it's wide open uh okay let's talk luck rankings real quick before we get out of here Tell us about the luck rankings and who uh, who are the, the luckiest teams heading into the season and who are the unluckiest teams uh, heading into the season. Yeah, so just as a refresher, the overall idea of the luck rankings is we look through the play-by-play data of every game and get like an estimate of how many points a team should have scored. Um, and when you think of like an unlucky play, uh, think of the the Bengals-Ravens playoff game. We were sitting there watching mm-hmm. that. And what ha- who, who was the running back? But... The, J.K. Uh, Dobbins, of course. Oh, J.K. Dobbins, right. And the Bengals. No, no, are... it was Huntley. It was Huntley. J.K. Oh, Dobbins Huntley. was the running back, but he didn't get the ball. Oh. He was pissed. He was peeved. <laughs> He's probably still peeved, to be honest. And the Bengals. Yeah, it, so it was <laughs> first or second and goal from the one, right? Yep. You just think they're going to punch it in. The Bengals snatched the ball from Huntley, I guess it was, yep, and return it for a 99er touchdown. So not only should that probably have been a touchdown for the Ravens, the Bengals probably shouldn't have gotten a touchdown there. So that was just a massive swing. So those are the things we're looking for. Those happen every game. Um, so we're just trying to assess, you know, which teams maybe are getting lucky or unlucky. Um, and Nick Giffen, you know, the brainchild behind the formula, uh, actually went back back to 2018 and looked at games where we were showing a luck difference of 24 greater or a luck gap of 50% or more. And the unluckier team went 96 and 54 and Woo. four against the spread. So a 64% clip. So this, this is a theory that I've tried to apply in the past a little bit more informally, but I'm just trying to trying to get the teams, even like my perception might be off on a team because I'm not aware of these plays. So that's, that's the overall concept of this. And if we look back at last season, the top five luckiest teams in order were the Vikings, Eagles, Giants, Bills, and Chiefs. And, you know, the Vikings, it's pretty obvious. They went 11-0 in one-score games. That's, you know, a metric you're typically going to see a team go 500 in those games. So the Vikings were by far the luckiest team uh, last season. And the uh, top five unluckiest teams um, in reverse order were the Texans, Browns, Bears, Colts, with the Saints being the unluckiest team last season. So we think, you know, the Saints will probably bounce back in terms of, like, underlying metrics that are – that come down to luck and they actually, you know, to start the year, they got the luck of the easiest strength of schedule. So they're a team that um, in theory, we think should bounce back when it comes to these underlying metrics. Yeah. These are great. Uh, I, I've, I've used them last year and uh, 
had had a lot of success with them. I, I think the, the the idea behind him is great. I you know looking at these teams, uh, the luckiest and the unluckiest. I think I think you know these have been kind of evolving for you guys. You know, this, yeah, these are luck rankings two point now, right? Yep. Yeah. And, Nick spent all summer uh, updating it, trying to make it sharper. Like I said, going back several years and reapplying these and back testing and things like that. So um, we've updated the, the back end of this, the, the same theory applies, uh, but we're, we're trying to make this even sharper. So we're fully confident in these heading into the season. Yeah. I think you guys are, are kind of on the precipice of these evolving into something. I don't even know if you intended, but I think you're also along the way in, in kind of creating these luck rankings, I think you're also kind of getting closer than a lot of people have to kind of quantifying the effect of coaching. Because mm. when I look at the top five luckiest teams, that essentially means they outperformed expectation, yeah. right? Yeah. Well, look at these teams. Vikings, okay, well, <laughs> Kevin O'Connell in year one. I mean, yeah. say what you want, but you know they went from never winning one-score games to winning all of them until the playoffs. Uh, then the Eagles, you know, Sirianni, that, that coaching staff, Gannon and Steichen both got poached. Uh, the Giants, we know how good Brian Dable yes. is. The Bills, we know how good Sean McDermott is. And the Chiefs, nothing else to say there. So, like, <laughs> I'd, I'd love to see kind of, like, maybe using some of that same data yeah. uh, to try to go deeper into that. Because even with the unluckiest teams, Texans, well, they had Lovey Smith in a, you know, as a tank commander. Uh, you have the, the the Colts. We all know how I feel about Frank Reich. And, and Jeff Saturday was also coaching that Colts team. <laughs> and then uh, the Saints, Dennis Allen has a 15-38 and 38 straight up record as a head coach in the National Football League. So like, I think these luck rankings are also in some ways coach rankings. So I'd love to see you guys yeah. kind of dig a little deeper into that because that's what really, like it stands, it's just screaming at me as I look at this, this list. Uh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. I think the Eagles specifically um, I've seen some metrics out there that actually try to quantify like decision in-game decision-making and Nick Sirianni um, is usually the top coach, um, which yep. makes sense because He's very analytical. Even like when I was researching for the uh, Super Bowl timeout prop, which I'm still bummed didn't hit, it should have, but he is very efficient just in calling timeouts, which seems, you know, silly on the surface, but that just goes to show, you know, what a hard-nosed kind of analytical process coach he has. But when it comes to the Eagles, there's no denying they probably have one of the best rosters in football, but they also have, you know, the second best injury luck last year. So there are some things that they were actually benefiting from luck and have great coaching, and have a good roster. Um, so they just had everything go their way that last year. And I'm not saying I'm going to fade them out of the gate, but I think they do set up as a team that we could potentially fade in specific spots just because there are some underlying metrics that they probably don't have as much control over. Uh, but yeah, that's that's a great call. I thought the same thing. When, when I'm looking at the top five luckiest teams, I'm like, they all have phenomenal coaching. Um, so that, that could be part of it, and certainly is. Yeah, and, and I'm at, like if this if these are already you know going like sixty four percent over uh, like a very large sample, like imagine if you're able to kind of separate out more of the coaching, like yeah. you could get to like seventy five percent, like it might yeah, be, it like might be ridiculous. Yeah, I, I think that we we obviously just don't want to we we don't want to just blindly fade great coaches. I think yeah. that <laughs> the real underlying thing here, in which I was saying I would be guilty of, is just our perception of these teams might be higher or lower. Um, so it's more of just beating the market yep. 
specifically, like everybody knows the Eagles are one of the best teams in the league. So everybody's going to want to bet them. These would just kind of urge caution against that. Maybe find spots where, you know, they, they might go the other way. And, you know, we're betting against an imaginary number. Um, so the spread might be inflated just due to, to our perception, including myself, being a little too high or too low on these teams. So it can kind of go hand in hand, but that's kind of the overall theme of these and why I think they're successful. But yeah, if, if we were able to parse out, um, you know, coaching decisions and things like that uh, and make these even more accurate, yeah, maybe we'll we'll hit 70%. We'll see. Yeah, I mean, the Chiefs are, are on there, and we know that despite the great quarterback <laughs> and the great coach, the, that team almost never covers when yeah, it is favored true. by more than a field goal. So like, like, yeah, it's, it's, yeah. it's like, it's a lot of times it's just the perception, you know, it might, yeah. you might end up finding that, Hey, great coaching. It, it, it can identify great coaching, but at the same time, that might not necessarily mean be relevant to the market, you know? So it's, it's just exactly. very interesting. These are great. Uh, I urge everybody to check them out. Uh, you can find them on actionnetwork.com uh, or in the action network app. Uh, but yeah, these are really great and, uh, we'll be highlighting these, uh, all season long. Uh, but that is going to do it here for us, uh, on the fantasy flex night shift podcast for week one. Be sure to check out our full player projections episode. If you want to hear uh, us talking more in depth uh, about uh, a lot of the quarterbacks, running backs, wide receivers, and tight ends on the week one main slate. And we also have our uh, fantasy preview episode uh, right here on this channel. So uh, a lot of fantasy content uh, for you guys. Be sure to check it out. Actionnetwork.com for all of our fantasy embedding content. Fantasylabs.com for our DFS tools and models. Sean is on X at the underscore odds maker. I am at Chris Raybon. And we're at those same handles on the free award winning Action Network app. Thanks for listening. Good luck in week one. Let's get this one. Action Network reminds you, please gamble responsibly. If you or someone you care about has a gambling problem, help is available 24-7 at 1-800-GAMBLER.